Stories. Everybody's got them, and we can learn from each other. History can be traced through letters and writings, but the one thing that has remained throughout the generations is the oral tradition. Oral history is one attempt to pass along the stories, tales, musings, and remembrances of one family for the benefit of listeners for generations to come. Join us now for this episode of Oral History with Jeff Zulkowski. Thanks for being here today. I want to spend a little bit of time with you tonight in a little bit of a divergence from where we've been the past several weeks. Past couple of weeks, we've been talking about my faith journey, and we'll pick that up again next time with the Cuyahoga Valley Church years. But right now, I want to take a little time and I want to spend some time with you tonight. And I want to, at the beginning, I want to present you with a statement that I hear all the time. I hear it uh, spoken to people to encourage them. I see it put on Facebook as if it's scripture. And the statement is this, God won't give me more than I can handle. Now, I pause for a second to let that sink in, and I'll say it again. God won't give me more than I can handle. And like I said, I see this passed around as uh, encouragement all the time. But I want you to know, as we talk about our topic today, which is anxiety, that God will give you more than you can handle. He'll never give you more than he can handle because he can handle anything, but he will give you more than you can handle. And I say this from the view of scripture in Luke 15, we've talked in the past about the prodigal. The prodigal was a young man who asked his father for his portion of the inheritance and then went away and lived this wild, lascivious life. And he lived a prodigal life, which means a lavish lifestyle. But the father was just as prodigal because the prodigal father waited behind and he waited for his son to return. And he waited expectantly for his son to return. And he lavished his love upon his son when his son did return. So in light of that, God is waiting for you in the midst of whatever you've got going on, if it's anxiety or anything else, he's waiting for you to come running to him. He is the prodigal father that wants to lavish his love upon you, and he wants to take care of you because he can take care of anything. And he will give you more than you can handle so that you come running to him. So with that thought in mind tonight, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about anxiety. We'll continue, as I mentioned, in the my faith journey with this Cuyahoga Valley Church years. But I want to talk to you about my journey now with anxiety. The first time I incur, encountered anxiety, I was living in a condo in Nashville, Tennessee. Nothing particularly stressful was going on in my life. I was working for Steve Green Ministries, and I happened to be home one evening, and I was laying on the couch, and I was watching television. And out of nowhere, I suddenly felt this pressure upon me, and it was a twofold pressure. One pressure was to run, to get up and run and hide. And the other was this pressure to fight. And it felt like in the midst of that, that a 400 pound gorilla was sitting on my chest. And it was just something I had never encountered. 
and I knew enough to call a friend of mine, a friend named Steve, and I asked him if I, it was 11 o'clock at night, I asked him if he could uh, let me come stay at his house for the evening, and he said, absolutely, get in your car, get here, are you okay, do I need to come get you? He said, you can sleep in our guest room. I mean, these were the kinds of friends I had in Nashville. If in any instance, they would drop everything and care for me, and I spoke about that a little bit last time. But in this case, I just, I had never encountered anything like this before. And you can label it a panic attack, you can label it anxiety, you can label it whatever you want, but it's something that God has built into us, which is this fight or flight instinct. In God being the perfect creator, he created us to sense danger and react to danger. Your body will do everything possible to protect itself. It will do everything possible specifically to protect your eyes. And I know that sounds odd, but there's a phrase called the apple of your eye. And the apple of your eye comes from a, a, a story, basically, of that's the whole body's instinct is to protect something if it's coming toward your eyes. Now, if I'm wrong about that, you can check me on that. You can do, you can message me and comment, but your body is designed to protect itself. And God did that. He did that to create you to fight or flight. If you can fight back, you will. If you have to flee, you have to flee. And God designed that innately into you to help you protect and to not be prey to a predator. Now, that's fine when the danger is real, okay? And I'm not saying that in anxiety the danger isn't real, but the danger is not physical manifestation in front of you. It's not a charging bear. It's not uh, a lion. It's not a dog that's about to attack. It is something that your body is doing in the absence of any real danger, but there's perceived danger, and your body reacts to it the very same way. Now, I'm not a neuroscientist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a doctor at all, but I know all of that from personal experience because that night sitting on the couch in Nashville, Tennessee, there was no real danger. There was not a fire in my house. There was not somebody banging on the door. There was not a particular stressor in my life that led me to that point in my life. It was just suddenly this feeling of panic, this feeling of needing to escape, this feeling of needing to flee, at the same time feeling like I was being pressed down upon. Now, for someone who has never encountered this, and that's, I'm hoping, most of you, it's hard to describe in terms that you would be able to relate to because everybody, as soon as you start to talk about anxiety, begins to think, well, what's exactly going on in your life? Are you under a lot of stress? Like I went to a doctor recently and these were the questions. Are you under a lot of stress? Is there something going on at work? Is there something going on at home? No, there's not in some cases. Some cases there is, but in many cases there's not. I'll tell you the Cuyahoga Valley Church years um, 
in a in a future podcast. But I want to tell you a little bit about the story of how that all ended. Um, it was 2018, and it was Easter week. And as I've told many people, and I'll tell you here, Easter week for me was the most stressful week of the year. There was so much more preparation that needed to be done. The services were so much more complex and so much bigger in scope because 3,000 people were going to walk through the door of Cuyahoga Valley Church over seven services in three days. And my life was just, I bore the brunt of all of that. Now, it wasn't something that anyone gave to me, but it was the pressure that I had placed upon myself to make sure that everything was perfect. And this particular Easter in 2018, I remember the week starting out, I slid into Tuesday because Monday was my day off, and I slid into Tuesday thinking everything was going pretty well. I had planned throughout the year to make some adjustments to one of the rooms we had down the hallway because we would have what was called an overflow room. It was it was going to be ready for audio and video. And the we were getting ready to do the worship center. And I, I slid into that Tuesday and I began to question because I, I saw some things being discussed or I just was getting a sense that something had changed. And I went to my immediate supervisor, Nate, and I asked him, I said, where's the choir going to be? Because there was also a choir during Easter services. And he said, well, they're going to be in 104-106, which is the room where we typically did overflow. And I said, how's that possible? That's where overflow is at. He said, no, we're going to do overflow in the basement. And I said, well, the basement's not equipped audio and video wise to do that. Now, I had pulled a rabbit out of my hat at Christmas to make overflow in the basement work because we had so many people that we had people in classrooms and we had people sitting in the foyer. And I actually found a way to make video work in the basement, but it was predicated upon some of the technology in the IT area working well, and that had begun to fail in January and February, and we'd had some real difficulties in the in the IT area, and that wasn't possible. So Tuesday morning, when I think it's going to be an easy week, suddenly plans have changed and I've not been told, and I marched down the hallway in a bit of a furor and marched into our executive pastor's offices and said, was anybody going to tell me that this had moved? And they said, well, we just didn't think it was going to be a problem. I said, it's going to be a big problem. We need to figure something out. So we kind of reverted back to the original plan. We would move the choir downstairs. We would do overflow where it was designed. Everything was working well. I had set everything up. I had tested everything. I'd walked away that evening. And as I walked away, some difficulties happened again in the IT area and some changes were made and it was broken. When I came in Wednesday, during the middle of a rehearsal for Good Friday, I realized that something had been changed not by me and it had broken the link to the room that I knew was going to be ready to go and had been tested the day before. And my anxiety just snapped. Like I was a rubber band that was 
pulled tight. I was a, a watch that was wound as tightly as it could be wound, and this was the thing that broke me. And all I can tell you is that my friend Jeffrey was running sound, my friend Kevin and my wife were on the platform rehearsing, and I was standing in the back of the auditorium pounding on a chair going, I can't do this anymore, and I walked away. And I walked away with the intention of never going back. And I got in my car and I, I headed north out of the church parking lot and I was going to go drink, and I don't drink. And I found myself at a McDonald's in Independence, Ohio, about three miles north of the church, drinking iced tea and just praying that no one would call. And I was getting phone calls from Kevin and from Jeffrey and from Nate and from my wife, and everybody was concerned about what was going on. And that was my breaking point. My anxiety in that case was more real. There still was no predator present, but there was this external pressure that I had placed upon myself, and it basically fractured me. And I had a, I had a breakdown. Now, again, I'm being very transparent with you. And, and again, I'm concerned that you don't have the context to understand what it was that I was going through. But at that point in my life, I couldn't do much of anything. I was asked to come back to the church. I finally acquiesced and went back to the church, and I couldn't process anything. I couldn't answer questions. I couldn't do anything. My assistant, Melissa, finally came up to me and said, you need to go home. And I said, thank you. I, that's all I've been wanting somebody to tell me. And for the next month, I was broken inside. Now, when you have a broken bone, people can see it. You have a cast or you have a sling on your arm or something of that nature, and, and they sympathize and empathize. But when you are broken inside, they don't understand it. And they don't understand why you don't just get over it and get back to where you were. And it doesn't work that way. If you have anxiety, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't have anxiety, you have no context. So let me give you some context. This is where the PG-13, this is the PG-13 portion of this, it's a poo story. So if you're offended by this, then kind of tune out for the next couple of minutes. But I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you find yourself on the road, you're in your car, and you've just driven past the last rest stop for 63 miles, or you've just driven past an exit where there was gas stations and fast food, and you find yourself in an area where suddenly there is nothing. And this overwhelming urge to go to the bathroom, number two, comes over you. And you grip the steering wheel more tightly, and you're clenching everything. And if you're a Christian, you're praying your way through this, and you know there's no relief. You know if you pass gas, it's going to be more than just gas. You know that you're going to have a problem. And you're hoping and you're praying that this feeling will go away. And eventually you get somewhere and you go to the restroom and you have that release 
and you have this feeling of relief over what has been going on. Now, if you made it, great. If you didn't make it, I understand. But when you have that release at that point, everything lets go and your body unclenches and you feel better. Anxiety is like having that feeling, but the feeling won't go away. There's no way to go to the bathroom and release that feeling. There's no way to feel better. It just stays with you. And the world around you looks at you and says things like, I don't understand. Or can't you just not think about stuff? Or a lot of people have things worse off than you. Or there's just all kinds of things that people say to try to put in context something that they can't feel. Much like when I was broken and had this brokenness in me, people looked at me and thought, he looks fine. I don't understand what's going on. When anxiety hits, they don't have any context. And the first place most people will go, doctors or your friends, they're going to go to a place of, well, what's going on in your life? And sometimes there's stuff going on in your life. In Easter of 2018, there was stuff going on in my life that I had created in my own head that fractured me. But sometimes there's nothing going on in your life. Your life is not particularly stressful. You don't have difficulties with a job or with a family member or with a friend. Everything's just kind of okay. But the feeling can still hit. And what I want to tell you is that's where I've been living for the last week. And this is the first time that it's ever lasted this long. It started with a migraine headache. On Tuesday, I developed an aura. I was sitting at work and I noticed because I have migraines, again, something else that not people don't understand, and migraines are different for everyone. But for me, a migraine starts with what looks like a blind spot in my vision field. It's almost like I caught the sun glinting off of a, of a sharp, like a, a reflective surface, car windshield or a window or something of that nature, and suddenly there's this little bright spot. Well, it doesn't go away. It in my eye, in my perception, it grows and it turns to this sparkly field that eventually encompasses some or almost all of my vision field. And what I have to do when I have those auras, they're called, is I have to get to a dark, cool place and I have to keep my eyes closed and I have to try to make it subside. And I have medication that I take and I immediately take some ibuprofen to try to help. There's no pain involved in that point for me. It's just this aura, this visual disturbance that I have going on in my in my sight. But then the next day, I have pain involved. I have tremendous headache. I have sensitivity to light and sound. Um, I have a friend who, when he gets migraines, he loses feeling in his hands and his feet, and he'll talk, and he thinks he's making sense, but the words aren't connecting. Um, I have other friends, uh, a friend who when she has them, she is bedridden for several days. I have another friend who, same thing, she has to be bedridden in a dark room for multiple days. So they're different for everyone. 
but for people, again, who don't understand, it's hard to put into words these things that are going on. For me, this particular bout of anxiety began with a migraine. Now, I don't know if the migraine caused it. I don't know if the migraine made it worse. I don't know if the migraine really had anything to do with it. But about halfway through the second day, the day of pain and sensitivity to light and sound, I suddenly began to feel this weight in my life. I felt, I feel it in my stomach. I feel like my stomach's in knots. I feel like there's this panic building, this, I can't get rid of this feeling. And I've seen a doctor and they've prescribed something and it probably will take some time to get better. But this is the first time in my life it's gone on for multiple days. Now, I don't do what I do in my podcast ever to just tell you what's going on in my life and then leave it at that. Okay? First of all, from a spiritual point of view, I'm right in the middle of this is more than I can handle. And God has given this to me. If you understand the principle of God's sovereignty, God is in control of everything. And when this happens, God knows that this is going to happen. And God is allowing this to happen in my life. And he's allowing it to happen for a purpose. Now, whether that's you going through the death of a spouse, or whether that's you going through the death of a parent, or whether that's you going through the breakup of a friendship or a marriage, God is sovereign and knows that that's going on, and it's happening for a reason. And I know if you're outside of Christianity, if you're a seeker, if you're on the outside looking in, that sounds crazy. And I know the response. I've heard it a thousand times. Why would God allow that to happen? Why would God allow you to go through that? If he's really a loving God, why would he allow, allow that to happen? He does it for two reasons. He does it to show you and to show me that he's in charge and we're not. And again, I let that sink in. Part of what I understand when things go on in my life, I've, I've gone through the death of two parents, my father-in-law, infertility. You know all these things. You've listened to the stories that I've told you. In all of these things, God is in control, and I can trust him knowing that he knows what's going on, and he's allowing that to happen so that I will be drawn to him and I will surrender to him, and I will come to him as the prodigal father and say, Father, I can't handle this. It's too much. Please take this. Please take it. Do with me what you want to do. That's where I've been for the past week, laying my life in front of God going, I can't handle this. Please take this. He may, and he may not, because He's also working in and through me to do something else. The second thing that he does, not only does he teach me that he's in control and I'm not, he also does things that are for his glory, for his fame, for his renown, for his praise and adoration. And again, if you're 
not a believer, if you're outside of Christianity, you're asking yourself, how can that be? Why would that bring God glory? And it's because he wants submitted, loving children who submit to him and realize that he's in control. And he will use that and be glorified by it. And he will use it in the future in my life to guide somebody through the same thing. I guarantee, because I'm going through what I'm going through this week, there are going to be opportunities in my future where God puts somebody in front of me at my desk at work, in a coffee shop, at, uh, sitting on a couch together, and they're going to talk to me about anxiety, and I'm going to know exactly what they're talking about. And I'll look at them and I'll go, I know you've heard all the things that you've heard in the past, that you've heard all the people saying all the things like, can't you just get over it? Can't you think a different way? You know, God won't give you more than you can handle. I'll be able to sit across from that person and go, I know what you're going through. I know exactly what you're going through. And God has used that in the death of my, my father and my mom. As I shared that story one of the very first people who's a patron of our of our podcast came to me and said that spoke to me because of the death of my of my wife. So God will use this in the future. He'll use it to bring himself glory and honor and he'll use it to bring good to somebody's life because I will be able to sit across the table from them and say I understand what you're going through. I understand that feeling of Every fiber in your body is fighting to keep something in that's real or imagined, but you want to run at the same time, and there's no relief. And I'll be able to understand them and pray for them. And if that's you it, listening to this tonight, I know because I have a daughter who's in her early teenage years, Words like anxiety and panic and trauma, clinical words get tossed around by kids like they're Skittles. Like they just, they use them and, and they don't even know exactly what they're talking about. Oh, I have PTSD. Oh, I have trauma. Oh, I have anxiety. Oh, I have panic attacks. They may very well have those, but just the preponderance of things that I hear coming out of young people's mouths. It can't all be true, but most of it might be true. And, and that might be you seated right where you're at right now. And so as we close our time together today, I want to go back to that phrase that we talked about at the beginning God will give you more than you can handle. I'll say it again. God will give you more than you can handle. But he won't give you more than he can handle. Because he can handle anything. What he wants from you is for you to surrender that to him. Whether that's your anxiety, whether that's your relationships, whether that's your life, whether that's your spouse, whether that's your anything, anything that would come between you and him, he wants out of the way because he wants 
to love you as the prodigal father. He wants to lavish his love upon you. He wants to be your Lord, which means he's in control. And he wants to be your savior, which means he'll take care of the stuff that keeps you away from him. Your sin. You're chasing after things that only he can fill. Bill Bright was the, the leader of a Christian organization. He developed a saying that God has created in each of us a Christ-shaped hole in our hearts, in our lives, in our being of our soul. And only Christ can fill that space. And we all try to fill it. We try to fill it with sex or wealth or work or relationships or drugs or alcohol or anything. We try to fill it with religion, but only Christ can fill that hole in your heart. And Christ is the one who died on the cross so that God could lavish his love upon you. The price that Christ paid by surrendering himself, perfect, spotless lamb on the cross of Calvary, was the payment for all those things that you try to do to fill that hole in your heart. All those things that we call sin. Sin is very real. I know the world wants to say that sin isn't real. I've had people within the church tell me they don't believe that sin is real, but sin is real. You don't have to tell me that my two-year-old didn't know how to sin. She became defiant and the word no came out of her mouth. Nobody taught her that. Sin was in her and sin is in us. Sin is in me. Even having lived a life with Christ for 30 some years now, I still have sin within me and I still try to fix my own way and I try to make me better and sometimes all times the first and only response is to run to God run to that prodigal father and say Lord here it is I have nowhere else to go I can't handle this please take this from me so I'm going to pray for you if that's where you're at wherever you're at if you're at the very bottom laying flat on your back and looking up Jesus is the only thing there for you. Or if you're still stumbling down toward your bottom, Jesus is there for you. Father God, the prodigal dad is waiting for you to come running. So I'm going to pray for you. If you don't know Christ and what I've said tonight makes sense for the first time and the Holy Spirit's making your heart pound and your, your pulse quickens and you know that God is pressing upon you, I'm going to pray for you as well, but in both instances, I want you to go to our website. And it's rl-history.com, and I want you to click the contact me button or the email me, and I want you to tell me your story. Type it out. Record it on your phone and send me 
the recording. I want to know where you're at, and I want to know how to be able to pray for you further. You can go on our Facebook page. You probably have seen it. You can link to it from our website. Go in there, type it into the comments. Know that that's going to be read by others, so don't put anything confidential there. But the email is confidential to me and me alone, and I want to pray for you. So let's take that time now. Father, I thank you, Lord, for what you have me in the midst of, a week-long bout with anxiety, a week-long bout of my body being tensed up and tight and not knowing how to get relief. And Lord, I'm, I'm glad that you sent me to a doctor this week, and I'm glad that you're, you're, you work through medicine. But at the same time, Lord, ultimately, you created me. You formed me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You search me and you know me better than anyone knows me. And so, Lord, I, I give my life to you. This is more than I can handle. And so, Father, I ask you to take this from me. And if you don't take it from me, use it to your honor and glory and use it to use me to minister to others. And I surrender to you, Lord, in all of that. And I pray for those who are listening that are in the exact same thing, in the throes of anxiety, in the throes of relationships falling apart, in the throes of addiction, whatever they're going through, Lord, may they be in the same posture of knowing that this is more than they can handle and they can only run to you, prodigal dad, and you want to lavish your love upon them. Draw them to yourself, Lord. Grip them in your arms. Hold their heads to your chest and love them like the prodigal dad that you are. And help them surrender this to you. And help them to trust you for whatever it is that it will bring you honor and glory and that you will use them and use this situation to bring glory and honor in the future as you share through them. Finally, if you don't know the Lord, there are no magic words. You just have to get to the end of yourself. You have to get to a place in your life where you know you can't handle this at all. You can't handle life. And you go running to God and say, I know that what Jesus did on the cross, he did for me. Father, please forgive me for trying to fix that shape and fill that shape in my life, that hole in my heart that only Jesus can fill. Please, Lord, take my sin. Forgive me for all of the things that I do that I try to accomplish outside of you. Take them from me. I turn from them. I repent. I'm going to walk the other way. And I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. And I want you to fill that hole in my heart. Father, I thank you for those who are still listening. This is episode 18, and it's been a journey, and it'll continue. But I am grateful for those who continue to listen. And I pray, Father, that you would bless them and draw them to yourself, and that you would show yourself mighty in all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you for walking these journeys with me. And especially this one, it has been um, difficult. It's been 
eye-opening to me, and it's been harder than I thought it was going to be, but I know God's in control. And so I just thank you for listening. Please go to aural-history.com, email me, go to our Facebook page, post it there if it's not confidential. Just get in contact with me and let me know whenever you're listening to this, your story and what you're going through so that I can pray for you specifically. Love you all. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Aural History. This has been a production of Z Media and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. Join us again next time.